What is going on, ladies and gents? Welcome to Retail Coffee Break. I am your host, Nick McHenry. It's no secret that COVID-19 has hit luxury fashion retail hard. What comes next? Well, nobody really knows. So I wanted to find somebody that I could speak to that's going to give a great perspective on some of the changes that will most likely take hold post or during, you know, the remaining time of COVID-19. Someone who has been through other ups and downs running a large business. That person is Tom Ott. Tom was the EVP GMM of menswear for Saks Fifth Avenue and then became the chief merchant of Saks Off Fifth before he set off on his own to become the chief of retail and fashion solutions. During this conversation, he brings up tons of incredible points on the changing state of luxury with everything that is happening in the environment today who is set out to succeed in the coming months, as well as tactics and strategies you can use for your retail business to come out on top post-COVID. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation I had with Tom, and I hope you do too. Let's get into it. Like I said, we wanted to have a conversation about what's going on and get your perspective. I mean, you have so much experience with, I mean, you've gone through ups and downs and with sacks and everything. So I just wanted to have a pretty casual conversation about your perception. And I, I've been reading all of your content on LinkedIn and the articles you've been posting. And it's always super apt. And I love that you take a stance and a perspective. So really just want to pick your brain if that's okay. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, just from, you know, kind of what's happening, what's going on, and then maybe you know, for some of the people that you do business with in yep. the specialty store world yep. is, you know, I think it's really right now, it's a time for, and I think specialty stores in particular, and but all, all um, stores and everybody that's in the business, I think it's about making sure that you're taking care of your existing customers. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this world today where everything has been, you know, so fast paced and maybe somewhat impersonal, you know, to take the time to, contact your client and to talk to them about some special product. I think that it would really mean almost more in this time period. And I think that in the go forward, you know, my sense is you're really going to have, you know, a real separation in the marketplace with regards to customer service. And I think that a big part of the business, you know, will gravitate towards discount and about price and just clearance and you know that's fine, um, but I do think there'll be also a part of the business that will gravitate to be a little bit more about special, a little bit more about value and quality and craftsmanship, mm-hmm. and almost like you saw, you know, and probably you know you saw in your career, you know, like old school Italian, they will oftentimes they might have, um, and you see it in older homes in the United States, they might have like four or six pieces in their closet. Mm-hmm. But they're really great, and they'll right. they'll be like investment pieces that you might even wear for you know a lifetime. And you know it's mended, it's repaired, it's passed down to your kids, and it also that whole part of it ties back into the into you know the 
circular economy with you know uh, sustainability. Mm-hmm. So it also plays a part there. So rather than fast fashion where you buy it for a season and throw it into the landfill, mm-hmm. you know, is there something to talk about quality, craftsmanship? And if you, if you take it one step further, you know, also we used to see it with lines like Isaiah and Keton, and people would say, oh, you know, why would somebody go spend ten or $12,000 on a suit? Right. And here's the, other, here's the other part of it. That ten or $12,000 that you spent on the suit, how many of the master craftsmen did you employ in the, in the warehouse? And how thankful they are that you put a family, you know, through, you know, life in Italy, and it was really a true craftsman. And, you know, that jacket didn't end up in a landfill. So if we really think about it, you know, where was the, you know, the really responsibility, you know, where does it lie? Right. And, you know, it can be cut many different ways. And you even see it here at home, you know, with production in the United States. And, you know, especially now, you know, with all of these people that are going to be unemployed and you see places like Walmart and I even see on TV now um, with Domino's Pizza, you know, those people are uh, employing like crazy. Is it such a bad thing that like in a Chicago or in a New York that we would have factories that people actually would have a skill and could they be, you know, craftsmen in the industry? So anyway, to not go all over the place, but the point of it is, I think, especially now, if people think about, you know, quality, they understand product, they can explain to a customer why something is a little bit more, but you're going to have it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have a lot of pieces in my own closet that I've had, you know, since... Mm-hmm. I'm a young man. And, you know, like if you talk about, and I do think in the, in the business right now, there's also going to be a resurgence in like core essentials mm-hmm. and that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that people will be looking for pieces in their wardrobe that are maybe seasonless and could be core staples that will be uh, kind of wardrobe builders. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see that, you know, come in the business. And I think for sellers, you know, to be thinking about that as they approach, clients, you know, in these tough times about, you know, a little bit more about investment pieces, pieces that you'll have for a long time. You know, I think that that's where the business will be. How do you see that in times like this, where you kind of had this collision of, you know, the economic downturn and then for the brands at the very, very high end, like a Keton, you know, like you said, the $10, $12,000 price point, uh, even if you're, you know, promoting that, you know, investment piece, employing people in Italy, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see that on the buying side, like the upper 1% echelon price point play out when the economy takes a downturn? And like, do they buy into that? Uh, like, I'm employing a family in Italy. This is a, you know, investment piece. I think they, 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 the people that have big dough, big bucks like that, you know, they, they keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, my sense is that part of the business is somewhat that super high end, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a Cuccinelli, a Keton, mm-hmm. brands of that ilk they tend to be a little bit isolated because mm-hmm. the guy is so loaded. It's really, it's, it's those aspirational brands that take the, take the beaten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where there was people that were buying those brands that probably didn't. Couldn't afford you know, it anyways, really. Yes. And they, and that's where you get a problem. And right. I think it, right now, my sense is like the big, um, you know, uh, gaudy, you know, uh, big cheesy brands, those are the ones that are really going to take the hit right? Um, because, you know, the people just don't have the money. Right. No, absolutely. So back to uh, kind of what you mentioned about, you know, the 
obviously there's gonna be a lot of discounting happening, but then this is an opportunity to really embrace your customers, give them a superior level of product and service, et cetera. Have you seen anyone doing a good job with that during, you know, store closures, I guess on the tactical side? Yeah. I mean, there's a guy even on LinkedIn. I don't know if you've seen him. Um, it's a California specialty store and he does like a, a fireside chat thing. And I haven't. Oh, I'll have to, I'll look for it. Yeah. Send it to me. And he does a really nice job and spends like uh, probably like every 10 days. Uh, and he goes out there. Um, there's another guy. I don't know if you know, Tim Pate. So yeah. Tim is, so Tim does a really great job. He's a great seller like that, you know, with his Instagram, he used to be at Saks a long time ago. I see some of the top sellers that are taking that time and are going through it. And my sense is it's not easy for anybody, but I think if you have that discipline and you go out there, you know, my sense is people are going to buy. And I've seen, you know, some, uh, at the seller level, you know, some people doing that. I've seen Mm -hmm. some at Saks that I remain friendly with still doing that. And, um, you know, my sense is those people will be uh, affected a lot less. Um, some of them, ironically, will even do more, you know, in this time um, because they have not that distraction of being like on a selling floor, you know, with people that they don't know. They're concentrating on their top clients. Right. And, you know, they put a nice assortment that's thoughtful together. And I think, you know, most people that don't have time you know, they'll, they'll still really appreciate that. How do you think, uh, uh, like if you're working at a specialty retailer, like who I work with, um, assuming that there's going to be heavy discounting and assuming you're going to have similar brands or similar product being so discounted, even, you know, 60, 70% off and you're maybe still at full price. How do you handle that in your perspective? I think it's going to be, you know, that you're not going to win on the price. My sense is, is that it's about the assortment and the way that you put the, the, the goods together mm-hmm. and the way that you put the wardrobe together. And I wouldn't underestimate that because there's a sense of style that people in our industry take for granted. And, you know, like I even saw sometimes where associates would do labeling of product to put together and they would actually have a label sewn in and it would be like a system one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> And you wear shirt. That's the, so that's the look, like shirt number one with bottom number one, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yes. And they would make down, they would make a graph that would show the client how they should wear it. Wow. And it's, 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 so it gets to that level. And, you know, so I think the more time that you put in and effort into that, you know, the other one is keep cleaning the closets. Mm-hmm. So a lot of associates will go to a client's closet to figure out what's worth keeping, what's you know, kind of an essential piece that can, is timeless. What pe- make recommendations upon that? You know, maybe a little weird now with Corona, you don't want people coming in your house, but people mm-hmm. even do it, you know, uh, digitally, you know, they could take a, uh, have the customer take them through with their phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the discounting part of it, yeah, it could be a, you know, a bit of a problem, but I think where you offer that service on wardrobing, that could be the differentiator. How do you think, on that kind of adding on to that, how do you think brands compete on the brand side if everything returns to investment pieces, basics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Because every, you know, on, from your and my men's world, every brand has a core program that has a, a navy suit and a charcoal suit and a black suit. All the women's wear programs have a black dress and, you know, a, a silk top, et cetera. Like, how do you differentiate if everyone, if everyone returns to sort of more basic dressing, more investment pieces, stuff like that? 
I think it's different. You know, it's, it's those with the style. So it's like almost, if you think about it, with Eddie Slomane and Saint Laurent, you know, he built the core collection with 65% of the business was on core essentials, but they were done with the twist. So you would know a Saint Laurent jacket, leather jacket, because it was slim. The lapel fit in a certain way. You know, the jeans had a certain look. So, you know, that's where the talent comes in on design. And, you know, is it like Donna Karen that used to have a crepe suit? You know, you would look at that. It was very distinctive. Yes, it was a black suit, but the crepe was very different. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, the talented vendors, you know, really need to go to work. And how do they, again, it's offering value. How do they have, you know, these pieces? And I probably that Eddie Slamane, you know, is a perfect example in recent times, you know, 60, 65% of a designer line was from like 18 SKUs and it was all, it was all core essentials. It's crazy. You know, he did it. And then, you know, the other one that's similar to that a little bit more in a classic thing is, you know, is, is Cuccinelli and, you know, there was some of the classics that he put in, there was nothing in there, you know, in some ways it was almost like a, you know, a, a a glorified Abercrombie, but, Mm. you know, he figured it out and, you know, core essential pieces (laughs) that, you know, customers came and bought. So it can be done. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's what I think, you know, where the industry's headed. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it seems like in a lot of your perspective and a lot of your writing, I was reading an article that you put on Medium about a week ago about, uh, you said like one third of brands and stores you think are going to fall away in the next six to nine months. And at least an opportunity for small brands and small retailers that stick around potentially. Uh, like, Why do you think right now there's an opportunity for small brands and small retailers? Because it exactly, I think, first of all, it feels right. I think it's, it's less ostentatious. So it's more special. And I think right now people want to be part of something that's special. So to me, to go to like a big gaudy store and, you know, my selection is bigger than your selection just doesn't feel right mm-hmm. to me. It, you know, number one, you don't want to be in large crowds. You know, that's kind of a weird thing in itself. And I think the assortments that are shown, you want something that's more specialized and more about your marketplace. Mm-hmm. And maybe is it even something that somebody bought with me in mind, you know? And I think that that's what you want to be part of as opposed to, you know, product that just got jammed into, you know, the racks. And right. so I think that's why it's a time for small businesses to, to excel. And I think you want somebody that's specialized in merchandising it's kind of gotten spoiled, you know, as an industry, you know, there was a time period, you know, when I, when I was a young man <laughs> that, you know, people really, it was a very much, it was a cool business to be in. And it was a lot of fun, you know, with style. And, you know, you even saw some of the people like a Tom Caldarian at Barney's, some of these people that were almost like cartoon characters because they were bigger than life. Mm-hmm. You don't have that at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that charm is missing in the buys. And I think that that's gravitated to some of the shopkeepers in their own stores. So if I was a, you know, specialty store owner or whatnot, because I mean, a lot, most specialty stores have that, you know, intimate relationship with their customers. What's going to differentiate the ones that go away versus the ones that thrive? I think it's going to be, is going to be what I would say, it's going to be in their assortments and their ability to bring, it'll be about product and their ability, you know, to connect with that community. I think it'll be, you know, really uh, fine-tuned curated assortments that cater to their local client. Hyper, mm-hmm. hyper edited, hyper, uh, you know, attuned to their clients. And, 
Um, you know, so whether it's seasonality, uh, whether it's understanding, you know, who's, who's the bigger spends and it'll be, you know, things that are truly special. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for you to be there with the clients to have them understand. And I think it's important more than ever that the website affiliated with these stores is congruous with, uh, so there's one right now that I'm like a big fan of. It's a specialty store out of Brooklyn called Bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great store. And their site is equally as good. Yes. And like, I'm obsessed. They do a wonderful job. And I think that's how you want to try to operate. You know, that it's all congruous. It all backs up one another. And I think that, to answer your question, that'll also be making a differentiator. So great omni-channel experience and being uh, hyper uh, hyper uh, tuned in on your assortments. How, how do you perceive that, the e-commerce omni-channel impact, let's say, because majority of specialty stores don't have, you know, e-commerce sites. A small amount of the big guys do, but majority don't. Like it's like, what's your perception towards that? I mean, obviously it hit really hard and strong recently, but. They got to figure it out. You know, they're going to have to put the time and effort into it and it's harder than a store. So again, you know, where's this weeding out process? The ones that will win will be the ones that are truly omni um, because, you know, you're going to need it and you need to think, which is, and it's challenging, but how do you think across the two platforms to have a consistent message? And, you know, what you'll see is, is that you truly get a one plus one equals four with uh, an omni experience, you know, because they're going to go with confidence to that website and understand the experience and the product selection, you know, will be what they're going to get in a store. And as your associates get up to speed on how they can use that uh, that website to sell and they're armed with that iPad in the store or they can direct their customers to go to the site, that's when it really explodes. So that's where the four, that's where the one plus one equals four happens. Kind of coming from both ends. The customer can go online then go to the store and vice versa. The associate can use the website. Exactly. Do you think that they should be looking at, especially these stores specifically, if they're going to do this, let's say you think they should be looking at their staff and they're almost like their payroll of like, maybe I had all, you know, I've had eight associates and one manager and that's my entire payroll. Do you think they should be taking some of those dollars and putting it into web specific fulfillment people or, or people that are focused on e-commerce? It could be, you know, I think you got to be thinking about, you know, what ends up happening is, is that that whole um, marketing plan and marketing calendar becomes really crucial and a big part of the business. And it's a lot to run, mm-hmm. you know, so to, to run full price campaigns, you know, across the two uh, venues is, is a lot. And you need to make sure that you staff accordingly. Mm-hmm. And they, they are, while they run together, they are different and is a different skill set. Because one thing that I've heard consistently from retailers that have not gotten into e-commerce is the logistics and the returns. It, outside of just getting it up, it's just like, how do I deal with it? My returns are 70%, 70% when my returns in store are 10%. Yeah, it's a lot. No question. It's hard. And nobody really makes money on e-com. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing. Um, you know, it's, it's a disaster. But I think you need it to make the whole boat float. Uh, you know, and you have to look at it across the two channels and, you know, you have to look at the total business, but to, to not have a good e-commerce business today, you know, you're kidding yourself. You need to be in it and you need to embrace it and you need to think about it as like a, you know, circular business and it all is linked. How do you, if you're a specialty store then, cause I mean, there's, you know, 
thousands of specialty stores. I mean, maybe not in the luxury world specifically, but let's say everyone pops up an e-commerce store, whereas, you know, two years ago, nobody had an e-commerce store. And essentially now maybe they have similar brands, so they're competing against each other. It just becomes super crowded on the online space. Do you think that would happen or? Yes, there'll be, that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> I think right now it's a race to get up and going online. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that that's a big problem. I think the challenge, the thing that's going to be is the online is harder to figure out than the brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're going to see the people that have excelled in e-com, then they'll, they'll roll over into, you know, the stores and the store portion of it today will be much cheaper and easier to afford. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with our business. We're going to start off in e-com and then ultimately I would say probably around Christmas time, we'll start doing pop-ups because re- real estate will be easily had. So when you say it's, e- it's cheaper and easier to afford, it's because it's the current environment just because. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Re- retail. Uh, retail. Rents are going to be cheaper. Yes, there'll be, uh-huh. there'll be, you know, a lot of vacant storefronts. Do you think that you're, you're going to see e-commerce brands and taking advantage of those cheaper real estates, just moving in with pop-ups and you're going to see some of those players moving into the brick and mortar space? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Well, listen, I'll let you go because I know your, your phone's wrapping up, but is there any, is there, if you have one last perspective on, I mean, no one knows when stores are going to open up, you know, we have really no idea when that next thing, but moving from now into the next month or two, what do you think is the one thing people should be thinking about to, to improve their business? I think concentrating on their existing customer base and making sure that they communicate and embrace their existing customers and make sure that they're taking care of them and that they're showing them product on a consistent basis. Perfect. I completely agree with you. I think we all need to be wrapping our own communities around each other and caring for our customers. So amen to that, 100%. So that is it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tom Ott. Join me next time when I speak to Emilio Paschetto of PTO1. If you want to access more of your daily dosage from this podcast or see the comparable video content from this conversation, just visit retailcoffeebreak.com. We will catch you next time.